1: The following program contains graphic material, including offensive
0: language. Viewer discretion is advised. When Nicole Sandler sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, calling the guests, she's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast, maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys, and then you get The Nicole Sandler Show on RadioOrNot.com. All right. Well, it's been a few weeks and it's time to check in with Marcy Wheeler again, because there's never a dull moment in these United States of America Um, on so many levels. I mean, there's so many different ways we can go. But Marcy, uh, I'm reading emptywheel.net, as I tend to do, and all your coverage on the Durham report, which was just released, and if people are confused about what the Durham probe was about, um, let me flash you back a few years to the former guy um, explaining, sort of. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, or the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, okay. the beginnings of that investigation about the Mueller report. The what? The Mueller report, I wish covered... The oranges, the oranges, how it started, the beginnings of the investigation, how it started. The oranges. I think he was trying to say origins and just couldn't find the word. And that happens to some people when they get a little demented. But um, so this the Durham probe was uh, was launched to investigate the origins of the Russia probe. Yes. Yes
1: yeah it was um and and it's really important that people never forget that um durham's conclusion uh which is the one he started with in 2019 which is that uh the crossfire hurricane should not have been opened as a full um as a full investigation even though the inspector general said it was perfectly OK to open it as a full investigation. He said that in 2019. It took four years to, to come up with the conclusion that he walked into it. Um, but that's not a crime. So literally, John Durham spent four years investigating something um, he found he didn't find. Uh, the inspector general found a crime, which Durham then prosecuted. In, the, in, in those four years, he found no crime he found no crime and you're not supposed to open an investigation unless there's a likelihood that a crime was committed and instead he spent 4 years investigating a not a not crime uh, uh like the fbi you know and in, and in fact um yes durham ended up with the conclusion that he started with which was that um crossfire hurricane should have been opened maybe as a preliminary investigation rather than a full investigation but once you once you make that conclusion. Once you say, well, yeah, I guess maybe we should have checked into whether the coffee boy knew of the Russian operation in advance. Um, And we'll come back to the many ways he uh, completely misrepresents the record on George Papadopoulos. But once you agree to the to the import of opening an investigation into George Papadopoulos, which he says you should have done, then Uh, then you end up with the crimes that were found. You end up with George Papadopoulos lying about getting advance notice when he got advance notice of the Russian operation. Uh, and then you get to Roger Stone and you get to Paul Manafort and you get to, you know, he's 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 largely silent also about um, Mike Flynn and and Paul Manafort in here, too. So it's like um, in the Igor Danchenko trial, which was the second of two failed prosecutions Durham attempted, um Danchenko's lawyers sort of ended by saying, or with one of the FBI witnesses, they're like, "Okay, let's go over what happened with four, uh, with three of the four original subjects of this investigation, and they, of course, all were found guilty." Right. So, I mean, it's like the investigation. You can you can say the investigation should have been opened differently, no matter how many ways you want to say it. But ultimately. Mueller found that five of Trump's top aides lied to cover up their
0: ties to Russia. Five of them. Five. Okay, five. Uh, You know, so this this investigation, in air quotes, went on for four years at a cost of, I'm guessing, many millions of dollars. Um, Um, I
1: I've seen the number 6 million, but I haven't checked that document myself.
0: Wow. And why did it continue for four years? Do we know? I mean, why wasn't it, why wasn't it shut down after the last administration was out?
1: Right. Well, because Barr made sure that it couldn't be shut down. Um, By February of 2020, Barr and Durham were both pushing this, um, this, it, it it may have stemmed from Russian disinformation. That's the thing that um, eventually I'll get around to writing about. but um, this so basically what happened is the Dutch hacked a server in Russian intelligence and they found a bunch of documents, including one that said that Hillary was trying to distract from her email investigation by by um, and and the the rush the original Russian report all it said was like uh, she was going to try and vilify uh, Trump for his ties with Russia. Which is, last I checked, not a crime. Right. Um, but on that same server, there were other there were other documents that are likely disinformation and that have been discredited. But nevertheless, Durham since uh, February of 2020 chased this theory. Which, ironically, again, may stem from Russian disinformation. So may stem from the same kind of disinformation that I would argue uh, infiltrated the Steele dossier. Um, so same thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna start Russian disinformation and chase this theory. And so he desperately, desperately tried to use the dossier and the Alpha Bank allegations, both of which. Both of which got to the FBI after the investigation had already started to claim that Hillary was trying to frame Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump's ties to Russia preceded Hillary's awareness that she had been packed by Russia. So the timeline is bizarre, bozo, clown show. um, And everything kind of falls apart from
0: there, like. Nothing makes sense. Right. So so Bill Barr is the one who's responsible for this investigation continuing until I guess Durham said it was over. But if we remember the the last big investigation, which is referenced here, was the Mueller probe. And when that report was done, we didn't get it immediately. No. In fact, the attorney general then, Bill Barr, wrote his own synopsis of what was in the report. Right. It was a work of fiction. And that's all we got to see for, I want to say it was around three weeks or maybe even longer until the redacted version of the report was released. And it created this false narrative, which right-wing media is still quoting. There was no Russia collusion. and It, it totally misrepresented what was in the report. And that's why, you know, that's what Fox ran with. That's what uh, the MAGA crowd ran with. And that is still... The, the 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 game plan they're going with when we know it's not true now um Merrick Garland didn't release any kind of um uh, uh, one pager on or, or a few pager on what this report was they just put it out and again right wing media is making their own narrative about what's in it, Our, it did, did anybody come out with a um you know a a, a, a a treatment of what is actually in this report other than you, because you can go to emptywheel.net and read all about it.
1: Well, I really um, highly recommend that none of your listeners read CNN's report on it because it is atrocious <laughs> as Horrible. Was Jake Tapper's uh, appearance on it as well. Um, you know, the New York times has done has consistently done a good job. Charlie Savage and Adam Goldman have reported this story really well. Remember they had a blockbuster back in January that Revealed a number of things that weren't in the Durham report, such as that when Bill Barr and John Durham ran to Italy in search in chasing down George Papadopoulos' conspiracy theories, um, they ended up getting a tip about financial improprieties having to deal with Donald Trump. That's not in the report. It is in The New York Times. So um, I don't always recommend New York Times reporting based on what the story is or who the reporter is but on Durham um Charlie Savage and Adam Goldman have done a really good job and so I expect uh, we may see some more from them in in the near future on this but um you know Charlie also had a nice piece in the last day or so that talked sort of about what you said so that's where go to go okay. to the New York
0: Times don't go to CNN, CNN. what and what Jake Tapper. Is he playing the game with the new owners, the discovery uh, owners of CNN and the new Chris Licht uh, game plan over there? Or is he just misinformed? I mean, why could he he was so wrong on his uh, coverage of this? Um, I'm not ever I was never a big Jake Tapper fan, but this sounds really more egregious than usual
1: yeah, and I mean, as I said, the CN- CNN had a piece with seven journalists on it, including some good ones, like Evan Perez, who's one of the best in the business. Um, but it, you know CNN, when John Durham released the Igor Danchenko, Indictment went whole hog chasing his conspiracy theories. Um, it, it, you may recall or your listeners may recall that Durham insinuated that this guy named Chuck Dolan, who has tenuous ties to Hillary Clinton, was the actual source of the P tape, not the two Russian people that Danchenko said were the source, who said that they were out drinking with Danchenko before the report, who, you know, like that, that, that totally makes sense that The the actual P-tape allegation came from those Russians. Durham made it into a claim that it came from these people at the Ritz Hotel, which is itself a misrepresentation. And then based on that misrepresentation, he claimed that the P-tape came from this guy, Chuck Dolan, who at the time, you know, barely knew Danchenko, didn't learn, you know, he, 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 it's just, it's an absurd claim. Like, I think it's certainly possible that Danchenko used his ties to Dolan to get entree to the Ritz and where he asked, you know, I, I think it Durham's conspiracy theories aren't entirely without some grounding, but where he takes them to are... You know well beyond anything there's evidence for and to a place where there's counter evidence there's abundant counter evidence and to make the claims durham has to kind of misrepresent how the how the dossier got formulated and a bunch of other things so um it's it is um anyway so cnn ran with that back in uh, in in november 2020 uh 2021 and then last year after the acquittal they're like oh we never did that and then, um and then, after the report, again, seven people write write this report. They don't fact check anything. I mean, there's obvious obvious factual errors in this Durham report. And given the fact that some of these journalists have covered it all the way through, it's like it's really sh- shameful that they don't actually um that they just report
0: what Durham claims rather than what we know to be the the truth. right. And if I remember correctly, And this this seems to never be mentioned anymore. That whole uh, dossier was first commissioned by a Republican. It it was Zappa research on Trump. Right. By a Republican. And once Trump Um, became. Actually,
1: let me let me make this point, because this point is is really important. So Paul Singer funded the open source research project. Okay. Um, a post that I just published right before we got on the phone together. So by the time, you know, this go, by the time you release this later today, uh-huh. some, some people may have read it. But I know in there like Durham finds it really scandalous that Fusion may have asked uh, Christopher Steele to look into Million and therefore led uh, Danchenko to look up Million. To make that allegation, he points back to the RIA Novosti interview that Million made in April bragging about his ties to Donald Trump. So ultimately, he's actually sourcing it to Ria Nowoski, not to Fusion. But the point is that, like, he's like, oh, you know, um, Nellie Orr knew about Sergey Million in April. I'm like, well, that's the period where you're transitioning from Paul Singer paying for it to the DNC paying for Mm -hmm. it. He doesn't mention Paul Singer's involvement at all. He doesn't you know, like you don't need a research firm to come up with Sergey Million because he was out there bragging to everybody, right? Um, so that's one thing. Paul Singer to the DNC for the open source research, which by the way, was, was very good research. Like, mm-hmm. there, like it hasn't been discredited. It, um, there, there is one thing that they did with Sergey Million later that was kind of dumb, but, but generally the open source research was, was, was Good research. Right. um, Because it was based on open source sources. Um, The other thing that happened is in March of 2016, Christopher Steele. And this is actually sort of news. um, Durham confirmed what had been suspected that um, a client that Christopher Steele had in March of 2016 was Oleg Deripaska, who was a central player in the Russian interference in the Russian, uh, election interference in 2016. So, uh, you know, before, before Fusion hires Christopher Steele, he's already doing researcher research into Paul Manafort. Okay. For Oleg Deripaska. And, um, when people like me say that the dossier likely got, uh, filled with disinformation, one, one import of that is that you have Oleg Deripaska on one hand trying to increase Paul Manafort's legal jeopardy mm-hmm. um, through through Christopher Steele, and on the other hand, you've got o- Oleg Deripaska through Konstantin Kalemnik using that increased vulnerability that Manafort has that you've created with Christopher Steele using that to get him to 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 share. To basically enter into a quid pro quo, sharing the campaign strategy for 19 million dollars of debt relief for uh, for a commitment to help carve up Ukraine. So that is a really important dynamic um, to understanding what really happened in 2016. But. No one wants to talk about it because Republicans generally are the only ones who want to talk about the likelihood that it was filled with disinformation, and they don't want to think through the implications of it. And another one of the implications of the dossier being filled with disinformation is that the stories about Michael Cohen that everyone that really were the worst stories in the dossier, those likely came from. uh, Those are attributed to by Igor Danchenko to his friend Olga Galkina, who ended up having close ties with Dmitry Peskov through this guy, Chuck Dolan. You don't need to know those details. The important part is the one guy in in Russia who absolutely knew that uh, Michael Cohen had had, in fact, made a secret phone call to the Kremlin during the election was Dmitry Peskov. And mm-hmm. that's the likely source of the story that Michael Cohen made other secret contacts with the Kremlin. Mm hmm. Uh, about an, another topic altogether. And so once you once you understand that, then the, the similarity between those stories and the fact that Dmitry Peskov would have known that Michael Cohen and Donald Trump were lying about having made this compromising call to to Moscow during the election to Dmitry Peskov during the election. Once you know that, then the dossier begins to look very different. Um, Durham doesn't
0: do any of that because, of course, that's not his project. Right. So t- two things here. One is, of course, uh, Paul Singer, no friend of the left. He's known no, as a vulture Ned. capitalist. So he's the one who started it, f- funded it at the beginning. Once Trump was the nominee and the the, the D-triples, the DNC took over. Um, I don't know how that came about, but they're not the ones who originated this. So th- there's that. They're not the ones
1: who originated the, the um, oppo research into Trump's Russian ties. Right. Um, the the. Steel dossier was never paid for by Singer, but but where Steele was working before the DNC was Oleg Deripaska. Gotcha. And that's actually far more significant than the Singer tie, because it means that um, naively Christopher Steele was working for the guy who um, was really one of the architects, as far as we know, of the Russian interference effort.
0: Wow. Wow. The other thing that is even larger than this, that I feel I have to say, Marcy Wheeler, is that this whole thing is about Russia's interference in the election. And you still have Donald Trump saying the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax and his minions, both in Congress and in his sycophantic followers, saying the same thing. And you've got the Matty Dick pics contingent of (laughs) formerly, I think, formerly credible journalists who have gone off the deep end who say the Russia thing, who are echoing Donald Trump. Russia is a hoax. Russia did interfere in the election, did they not? I mean, why are we are we still debating this? Yeah, um,
1: Russia interfered in the election, but, you know, I someday will write a very long piece arguing that this is one of the most successful intelligence operations of all time because they did more than interfere to help Donald Trump. Remember that the IRA, the trolling effort, was an effort to split up America. It was an effort to get The us IRA trolling. is that
0: Internet Resource Associates or whatever that Russian yeah, group was. Internet what, right. Research
1: Agency. Yeah. Agency. Yep. Okay. Um, and so they were the trolls. And mm-hmm. th- that trolling effort wasn't that big of a deal that, you know, like... Um, Republicans had a much more vigorous trolling effort that was adjacent to Donald Trump and adjacent to Weave Andrew uh, who's a Nazi and who was living in Russian-controlled territory at the time. So that's actually a far more interesting connection if you want to talk about social media trolling. But um, but the but the Russian goal was to get us throttling each other mm-hmm. and. And again, this is why I think it's important to consider the likelihood that the dossier was filled with Russian disinformation, because um, because what it what it did um, is we're still fighting about the dossier. People, you know, Trump, Maddie Dick picks those people all use the dossier as a stand in for the Russian for the for the Russian investigation, and they and and that strategy, by the way, came from Paul Manafort, who met with uh, a Deripaska associate in in January 2017, came back from that meeting and said, hey, let's focus on the dossier. So the dossier from day one was meant to be a stand in for the real Russian investigation. Hmm. And it has been used as such. And because it was so unreliable, the right is like, oh, you know, you started this investigation into Donald Trump based on this unreliable information. It is a problem that it was used and that that even after they learned about the problems with it, that they didn't revise the Carter Page uh, FISA applications—that's a real problem, and I don't want to diminish that. But um, you know, one of the things that ha- that that is crystal clear. I mean, I I learned this when I wrote my long series on the Columbia Journalism Review. Uh, really trashy garbage series on the on the coverage of the Russian investigation is to make that claim, to make the claim that the interest in Donald Trump and Russia started from the dossier. First of all, you have to ignore the Russia. Are you listening comment? And they always right. do that. And and um, it that shows up in Durham's report four times, but but almost all indirectly like huh. almost all like you know he he quotes the FBI saying well one of the reasons we thought that we had to investigate is cuz Donald Trump had just asked for assistance and um and he doesn't seem to think that that was a problem that it was a problem for Donald Trump to ask <laughs> for the assistance of a, of a of a hostile
0: foreign power to get um, the hacked emails from from the, his opponent his political opponent <laughs> it's astounding right, right um and and i think
1: that probably somewhere deep within the FBI they understand there there is a there is at least a likelihood that Roger Stone crafted that statement because immediately after that the days after that he was he was drafting tweets for Trump he didn't send those tweets but he was drafting tweets that basically said hey we want to get in bed with Russia that's what that's what Stone was doing in those days at a time where he was trying to get more help from Russia so um but in any way, Uh, We also know that even in January of 2017, um, there was already reporting on Mike Flynn's lies about trying to intervene to stop sanctions by the time the dossier was released. And people like to obscure that timeline, too. Uh, But it is, in fact, the case that New York Times and Washington Post, Washington Post especially in this case, were already over Mike Flynn before the dossier dropped. And so that's something else that always falls out from this narrative that it was all about the dossier. It was like, no, it was about Mike Flynn and Jared Kushner and Donald Trump and uh, the attorney general and about five other people lying about their ties to Russia. That's, you know, that's where the story started and it was never alleviated. I no. mean, you know, like after after Trump said, Russia, are you listening? In that same Appearance, and this often gets forgotten. He said two other things that were alarming. One is he said, well, maybe I'll look at um, turning over Crimea, recognizing the annexation of Crimea. The other thing he said is he denied that any of his business deals. He's like, I decided not to do the business deals with Russia. The, the, the Trump Tower Moscow deal was still live at that point. Right. And so, again, um, back to Dimit- when Dmitry Peskov saw that statement, he knew that he had Trump on the hook because he knew that he had a secret that he was oh. keeping with Trump and Michael Cohen.
0: Right. Uh, and I'm sure that was just one of many because uh, there there was dirt on Trump out there. There still is. Um, uh, you know, Marcy Wheeler, when I first uh, started reading on EmptyWheel.net about your your coverage of the Durham Report, um, you had a post up about seven things not mentioned in the Durham Report that was very telling, and now you've in, <clears throat> increased it to eight. Um, I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure that number may even go up as as the you know the coverage continues. Your coverage, not the corporate media, because they're not doing their job. <clears throat> Another reason why. You should be reading and supporting EmptyWheel.net, but more on that later. Um, so what what did he conveniently do? What did Durham conveniently leave out of the report? What are these eight things and why um, do they make a difference?
1: I'm going to pull it up so I don't so I make sure I don't miss any. But um, one of the things that he left out, is as I mentioned earlier, is he, he left out the tip that the Italians gave to. Trump gave to uh, Durham and Barr when they showed up in 2019. So Mm -hmm. um, he didn't explain what the tip was and what happened with it. Uh, So it's not a full report of everything he of everything he investigated. And tellingly, um, he chose not to talk about the crime that he covered up for Donald Trump. Another thing in there is um, what got them to Italy, what got Bill Barr and uh, John Durham to go on a junket to Italy and to other places in Europe were these lies that George Papadopoulos told or uh, conspiracy theories that he told to Congress. Uh, and they were basically the conspiracy theories were basically um, stories that had been laundered through the Hill and the Daily Caller. Mm-hmm. And Papadopoulos went to Congress and said, well, I heard in the Hill, you know, the uh, john solomon wrote in the hill that x y and z and then those republicans treated it as true including mark meadows he was leading that investigation and mm-hmm. then they brought those allegations to doj and doj uh Barr and durham jumped on a plane and went to italy together uh one of the things i've, I've done another post to, to you know again we'll cycle back to it but um Durham is just grossly misleading about what the record shows about George Papadopoulos. And it's telling that he doesn't describe those conspiracy theory junkets because he would have to say that they were conspiracy theories and there was nothing there. Right. And that would undermine the credibility of George Papadopoulos. Um, Durham doesn't describe the investigative failures he made. So, for example, uh, famously, he, uh, DOJIG had two phones from Jim Baker. And um, Durham didn't discover them until, I think, January, uh, January of 2022. So three months after. No, sorry, four months after indicting uh, Michael Sussman, then another four months after that. So at this point, eight months after indicting Michael Sussman, Durham asked uh, Jim Baker, to go check his iCloud account to see if he had texts that he had, had exchanged with, with Sussman. And the reason he did that is because Sussman kept saying, you know, I know that we worked to kill this New York Times story, which was actually very exculpatory. and um, And Durham didn't check any of those things. And so he didn't like the facts. Before him changed dramatically after the time that he indicted Sussman. Uh, in the in, in the Danchenko case, he 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 relied in his indictment on what Sergey Millian had said on Twitter. Mm -hmm. on Twitter. And then he didn't actually interview Millian until February of 2022. And then Millian stiffed him like um, um, Millian refused to show up and testify under oath to the claims he made to Durham. And Durham didn't find that hilarious at all. But I do. (laughs) Um, The uh, Durham makes a nod to connections that Mueller found. But the only one he raises is the June 9th meeting. So he doesn't Include the Trump Tower Moscow, which, for the reasons I've already explained, are really important because uh, because you know it, they are very damning, but they also make the um, the disinformation angle a lot more serious. He doesn't mention Constantin Kalimnik at uh, all. One of the things Durham says to say, you know, Durham says FBI shouldn't have invested, opened this up as a full investigation because the IC didn't know of any ties between Trump and uh, or Trump's people and Russian intelligence. And now, four years later, we know that Paul Manafort, his campaign manager, went into a cigar bar on August 2nd, uh, 2016 and briefed him on the campaign strategy, briefed a guy that now the IC, I think, across the board understands to be a Russian agent, a Russian spy. And uh, since then, uh, in 2020, so under Trump still, the IC came to the conclusion that, in fact, Kalimnik had shared that campaign data with with other Russian spies. So, you know, the, the Durham's theory that you shouldn't open a full investigation is premised on the fact that the IC didn't know enough about the spooks who were circling around Trump. It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's that's why the FBI carries out the investigation. Um, he obscures the timeline by by talking by obscuring Guccifer 2.0's role. And that's important because of his uh, Hillary Clinton framed Donald Trump story again before Hillary knew she had been hacked. Donald mm-hmm. Trump was already in bed with Russia and and and, you know, he he does a lot to obscure that. Um, Durham focuses a lot on the um, because, remember, Bill Barr said that Donald Trump had been spied on. And the only way you get to that claim is uh, because Carter Page, they didn't get a FISA order on Carter Page until after he was off the campaign. So the only way you get to that claim is uh, through the use of informants. And, of course, in the same period when they were using uh, two informants to, to talk to Papadopoulos and Page, the FBI was using a or many informants to investigate the Cl- the Clinton Foundation. Of course In the DOJIG were. report on, on Carter Page, where there's a very long discussion of the informants who, who recorded conversations with Papadopoulos and Page, they include the texts of two guys handling a Clinton Foundation informant who were egregiously pro Trump. Uh huh. As soon as Trump wins, they're like, "Ha ha!" You know, things are going to change <laughs> around here. They they said the exact equivalent to the kinds of things that Peter Strzok said, uh, but they were the ones managing an informant during the election, targeting Hillary Clinton. And you know, uh, Durham makes this great effort in his report to suggest that FBI treated Hillary Clinton nicer than they treated, which is ridiculous. Like Jim Comey tanked her, tanked her right. campaign, but you know, Hillary, the FBI treated Hillary Clinton nicer than they. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) treated, treated um, um, Trump, even though he confirms that Clinton cash was used to predicate that investigation. The book, this
0: this this filled with falsisms book called Clinton cash. Right. Done in conjunction
1: with the ultimate campaign manager for donald trump i mean that was a bannon project Uh um so you know that the the fact so he leaves off that informant and by leaving off that informant he he has to because it's the only way it can serve his narrative that hillary got treated worse than donald trump did it's nonsense um and then the other thing and this i don't know what to make of uh but i found it interesting is he doesn't mention the investigation he did into mike flynn Hmm. and uh you know, it has been suggested to me, possibly he doesn't mention it because all that was done before he became a special counsel and therefore legally he doesn't have to include it. And that may be the that may be the technical explanation for why that's true. But I find that interesting because um, remember that Nora Danahy quit because they were trying to come out with an interim report before the election. And after she quit, stuff got shared from Durham to the Jeffrey Jensen uh, investigation, which was another investigation that Barr uh, invented to kind of for political gain. And um, and that came out when they were trying to overturn the prosecution of Mike Flynn. And I found problems in that work. I found that they had all literally altered. Uh, Pete Struck, Peter Strzok and uh, and um, Lisa Page, um, no, in no, Andrew McCabe's uh, notes. Oh, Andrew McCabe. they, okay. they added, they added dates. Um, and I think they altered something else with the redaction. And then they also did this interview with a pro Trump that somebody who sent pro Trump, uh, texts on his FBI phone. They did an interview with him. And He's like, Oh, I, you know, Jeannie Ree was crazy. And, and I was like, uh, and, and when you read his description of it in this, in this FBI 302, you see that, it's not that Jeannie Rees is crazy. It's that he's an abusive he's 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 a uh, he's basically he was abusing his position in the workplace against a woman and using very gender terms for it. Mm-hmm. He also that that 302 uh, was redacted in ways to be misleading to the judge. So um, so, you know, I don't know why the Mike Flynn stuff isn't there, because we know that Barr and that Barr Dur- Durham investigated it. Um, I am curious why it's not there.
0: You know, and you made an interesting comment, uh, the, the little uh, blurb at the top of the post. You, you say if John Durham closed just a handful of enormous gaps in his shoddy report, it would all fall apart. And that's why this is important. That's why these omissions are so important, because you're saying there, there are gaping holes that he doesn't address. And if he had, then his whole narrative collapses.
1: Yeah. I mean, let me give you one more example, like because, again, like this is not this there's no place for this in a in a criminal investigation. But nevertheless, Durham spent a lot of time trying to compare how Hillary was investigated to how Trump was investigated. Again, ignoring the email investigation, ignoring the fact that Jim Comey tanked her campaign. Um, And one of the things, you know, one of the he echoing Congress. One of his conclusions, by the way, is you shouldn't listen to what Congress says, but much of much of this uh, investigation was dictated by people like Mark Meadows and Chuck Grassley. So echoing something Chuck Grassley said, he said, oh, Hillary Clinton was given a defensive briefing when a different foreign uh, country was targeting her campaign. What he doesn't realize what he doesn't like he buries is that Hillary Clinton was given a defensive briefing eight months at least after the FBI opened this investigation. No, Mm. 10 months, 10 months. So in other words, he's complaining that Hillary Clinton, 10 months into an investigation, got a defensive briefing. But we know that Trump, uh, four months after the FBI opened the investigation into Mike Flynn, briefed him about Mike Flynn in the wake of the Sergey Kislyak lies. So in fact, Donald Trump got a defensive briefing more quickly than Hillary Clinton. And nevertheless, Durham claims that Uh, that the, you know, there's so much up is uh, up is down in this report. (laughs) Opposite And and, Yeah. And that's the only way he could come up with any uh, any conclusion that. uh, Except for I was wrong. And, you know, when I went to court, I got my ass handed to me. And uh, and when I went to court, when I when I had to abide by the rules of criminal procedure, my conspiracy theories crumbled, right, literally crumbled.
0: Right. And and so taking all that and then again, these these formerly formerly um, decent reporters who are all of a sudden echoing Donald Trump's, you know, Russia hoax line and all of the sycophants that that subscribe to that line of thought are still saying that the whole Russia thing is a hoax uh, that I keep coming back to because it is so infuriating that because of the disinformation put out by a big portion of the media, a good portion of the American public believes.
1: Right. And and again, I, I hate to be repetitive, but I'm going to repeat again. That's one of the reasons I think it's important to come to grips with the fact that the dossier was likely disinformation mm-hmm. or was filled with disinformation because, um, uh, the, you know, the, I, I would argue that the scope of the Russian operation from 2016 to 2017, and included the shadow brokers, the release of all these NSA files, devastated the NSA, included uh, WikiLeaks release of CIA's hacking tools, devastated the CIA, the CIA, NSA, CIA. And then you spend four years uh, aggressively discrediting the FBI, which yeah. continued to yesterday right yes. when Jim Jordan had this hearing where he turned these supporters of January 6 into martyrs right. because they were fired because they refused to arrest suspected terrorists. right
0: not only to, not, and and called them whistleblowers and dis- and, and, them whistleblowers, and, yeah. and refused to turn over their testimony to the other party who's on the committee yeah. everything about this was infuriating Right. And and
1: and again, I mean, m- virtually not, not virtually every hearing that uh, that Jordan has done basically has um, has platformed Russian conspiracy theories. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard got to go on there saying that the government was weaponized because Hillary Clinton, as a private citizen, said that she was a, a Russian tool. Like, you know, the, 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 like, that's, it's crazy. Um, and then Maddie Dick Picks came in and made his ridiculous claims. And, you know, so, you know, at some point we need to start talking about the fact that Jim, like Jim, that committee is exclusively serving the interests of Russia at this point. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, part of the Russian operation ended up, uh, taking out the FBI's top Russia experts, mm-hmm. uh, one of one of DOJ's top Russia experts, some other Russia experts in other parts of the government. I mean, so effectively uh, what the attack on the Russian investigation did is uh, is neutralize a lot of expertise with, within the U.S. government about Russia and you know maybe that's a coincidence maybe you know that that's what happens when you mobilize a narcissist like donald trump yep. is that um he then becomes paranoid and starts eating your face right you know <laughs> he's, he becomes paranoid and starts attacking the things that he is paranoid about and so he you know he did a lot of damage to um to Russian expertise in the U.S. government. I think one of the reasons that Putin was so surprised by the failure of Ukraine is that it took Biden not that long to recover it. Or maybe it was hidden in places while Donald Trump was trying to destroy it. But I think that Putin had assumed that he had devastated U.S. intelligence for a lot longer than he did. But you know, we're still all throttling each other. We're still fighting yes, about whether the Russian investigation was true or not. It, You know, it was true. It was productive. It was interfered with. Trump pardoned his way out of it. And um, and that was that, you know, Russia has to be thrilled. Yes. But to this day, it is still making it is still, you know, that the. the the degree to which we're trying to kill each other continues to go up on a daily basis. And that process was was largely started when the FBI wisely opened an investigation into whether Donald Trump had been had had gotten advance notice, which he did, of the attack
0: on his opponent. Wow. And, and the fact that we're still throttling each other over what it said, what the Mueller report says, you know, it, it's like. This, this is what I always refer to with opposite world. You can put the facts right here in black and white, and there are people who will just say the uh, the opposite. They, they will not agree. But Bill Barr set the table on that one by releasing his executive summary, which totally misrepresented what was in the report.
1: Yeah, I want to say one other thing that Barr did, too, because uh, it, it doesn't get anywhere near enough attention. Um Barr politicized the FOIA process um by which and, and the declassification process. So the you know the the Mueller report was declassified multiple times over the course of uh the, the last declassification was last year, I think. Jason Leopold, of course, had this long running um, FOIA. Yes. And on the night before the 2020 election, Barr released a FOIA um a new basically a new version of the Mueller report. And in that new version of the Mueller report, there was a footnote that said uh, we haven't charged Roger Stone with conspiring with Russia to hack because we're still investigating. OK, so when people say Mueller found no evidence of conspiracy, which is what CNN said, by the way, they said no evidence of conspiracy when we know that, in fact, Mueller,
0: um concluded there wasn't enough to charge. Did you lose me? You know, I, I hear you. Your video froze for whatever. OK, okay you're back now. Go ahead. Um, but um, but in fact, that
1: footnote, which was only declassified the night before the 2020 election, revealed that at least when Mueller closed up shop in 2019, he was D.O.J., D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office was still investigating whether Roger Stone had conspired with Russia in a hack and leak. Um, I have a theory partly based on um, the clemency record that's in Donald Trump that was found in Donald Trump's drawer with a report that may or may not have to do with Emmanuel Macron. I have a theory that um, Mueller was able to develop more evidence that Stone and people like Jack Posobiec were did. we know that the we know that Posobiec was involved in this, um, did work with GRU in the hack and leak of Emmanuel Macron in 2017. And that would make sense because that, you know, that was that happened closer to the time um, when when the investigation to Stone was open. So that's my that's my theory. I don't know that to be true. But again, what I'm literally the only journalist who has reported this. Uh, and I keep reporting it and no one wants to go back and say, gosh, that footnote is there. She's yes. right about that. But it is, in fact, the case that when Mueller shut down and we know that the investigation into Stone was ongoing because there were something like eight warrants that he did not receive until after trial, eight warrants that were for additional investigation that he did not know about. And um, and and those were about whether he conspired with Russia in a hack and leak. So the core question of whether Roger Stone conspired with Russia remained ongoing at least through 2020.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that's why it's so important. Uh, That's why your work is so important, Marcy, because you are reporting things that the corporate media isn't. I don't know if it's laziness or complicity. I don't know the reasoning, but, um, you know, thank goodness you're doing this work. Is there anything about this Durham report that we didn't talk about that that we need to know?
1: Um. Oh, George Papadopoulos. No, yep. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I still have a couple of posts coming. Yeah, you um, said
0: you said you tweeted out that there were th- still three posts. You, no one is condemning Durham for his abuse of due process when he still claims people lied when a jury told him differently. Durham's <clears throat> digital slut shaming of Hillary, and Durham's cowardice about Russian disinformation, which we we did talk about that one. But yeah, so um.
1: Uh, and then I did a fourth post this morning while I was trying to do to work on the. I mean, one Durham. Uh, it is true that in his executive summary, Durham states as fact that Danchenko and Sussman made false statements to the government, and that that's that's grotesque. He's a prosecutor. A jury told him that was not true, uh, or told him that he didn't have proof beyond a reasonable doubt. A judge told him that one of the things he claims Danchenko made a false statement about uh, was literally true. Mm. Like the P-tape, the the mm-hmm. thing that he hung his P-tapes theory on, literally true, literally true. And uh, Durham prosecuted Danchenko for it. And um, and he still is claiming that Danchenko lied about it when he's he's wrong about that. But the other thing that people like, there's been some allusions to this. Uh, Phil Bump had a, had a good part on, I had a good column on it the other day. But um, starting, I said this, starting in February 2020, Durham was trying to prove that Hillary Clinton framed Donald Trump, okay? Um, And his basis for that is uh, Hillary's people brought two allegations to the FBI, the dossier and the Alpha Bank, and those ended up being, you know, falling apart. The Alpha Bank, by the way, The uh, Sussman trial proved that the FBI really screwed up that investigation. So we don't know what the Alpha Bank uh, 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 anomalies were because the FBI screwed up the investigation, made made really embarrassing failures in the investigation. I'm not saying it. Durham's own prosecutor said it in the closing arguments. So um, but but. Uh, The other thing that he relies on to make this claim that Hillary Clinton framed Donald Trump is that she asked, I mean, these these claims in the middle of the Durham report, which no one has called attention to, which I plan to, are just um, they're slut shaming. They are they are victim blaming because he at at one point he says he, he basically says it's proof that Hillary Clinton was trying to frame Donald Trump because she asked the FBI to publicly state that Russia had hacked her. Think about that. Like, here's a victim trying to run a presidential campaign while still being hacked. People don't understand this, but right. uh, the most valuable hack that the Russians made was in September, not in April, not in May, not in February. It was in September. Um so she's being hacked all the way through the election. And she, you know, she asked the FBI, can you please say publicly that I was hacked by Russia and they refused to do it? Um, you know, I can understand why they refused to do it. But but uh, but Durham points to that as evidence that she conspired to frame Donald Trump oh. because she was hacked. Oh, because she was God. hacked by Russia, uh-huh. and it's and it's just grotesque that he makes this this claim that he tries to criminalize being a victim. But that's what's at the core of this report, and it's just it is positively grotesque.
0: And and thank you for for summing it up like that because people need to know this. You're because you're not going to get it from certainly not from the right wing media, not from Fox or any of those outlets. But you're also not going to get it from. Uh, most of the corporate media, maybe the New York yeah, I mean, like Times I said, is doing Phil good. Phil Bump did yeah. a good
1: piece on it in the Washington Post, so you should look at that. You should look at what Charlie Savage is writing.
0: Those, those are that's some good. It. That's some good reporting out there. Okay, so Marcy Wheeler, um, we could keep going on this, but let's do a, a touch on a couple of other stories that have broken since we last spoke. Let's start with yesterday: Supreme Court Section Two Thirty, which is what um, Trump has been bitching about the, the that the um, social media companies are. I don't even know what his argument was, but basically the Supreme Court said section 230 stands social media companies are not responsible for what people post on their platforms.
1: Yeah, I don't think there were great cases to make these arguments, but um you know someday in the near future I'm gonna do a piece on Elon Musk's fascism machine and so cool. uh, you know I I'd be shocked if Ginny Thomas didn't have a solid understanding of what Elon Musk was up to trying to turn Twitter back into a fascism machine and so um it's good that section 230 stands uh but understand that uh if and when Musk uses Twitter to uh support fascism in the United States he's going to rely on section 230 to say that he doesn't need to um I mean, Twitter and Facebook did try and prevent the election from being stolen in 2020, and then they let down their guard, and that's what led to the insurrection. Hmm. And so Hmm. Elon Musk's lesson is you uh, take down the guard entirely, And, and, and the lesson that trump learned in 2016 is that trolling actually works disinformation Mm -hmm. really works and so you put those things together and um that's what i think musk would like to do in 2024 i think he's ruined twitter so you know probably it's going to fail but i think that that maybe not musk himself but people around musk had that had that uh, explicit intent Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why he welcomed back all the nazis but um so that's yeah
0: that's that's frightening. So that that's a story developing you you will get into it at some point but people need to know that that happened. The other thing is the Rudy Giuliani uh filing, the Rudy Giuliani charges um which the sexual stuff and what he did with this woman that he hired is just so offensive and so ugly and disturbing. But the other part that um I I'm not hearing enough about is the allegation that Rudy was peddling pardons for $2 million, a fee that he would split with the former guy. What?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, we know that Roger Stone was doing the same, right? And so I think that, we'll see what comes of that lawsuit. It's a lawsuit, right? Yes. And sometimes people can make allegations in lawsuits and and see what comes of it. The other thing that's important about that lawsuit is it talks about communications that Ruby Freeman is trying to get like a communicate like in the so Ruby Freeman remember is the African American poll worker or election tabulator who um Rudy literally sicked a lynch mob after and her daughter. Uh, It was Ruby Freeman and her daughter. because Her daughter handed her a ginger mint and Rudy Giuliani decided to sick a lynch mob uh, uh, on them for, you know, political gain. Um, And they've been suing Rudy and Rudy is trying very hard to hide communication, uh, he's, he's trying to say, well, I can't get to my text. Sorry. And it's bogus. But one of the things that that lawsuit is going to do is it's going to make it easier for Ruby Freeman to say, here's where the community, here's, here's what, Ru- here's what Rudy is trying to hide. So I think that's another interesting side of this, but, but. It- interesting when you consider that jared kushner was in charge of pardons for trump and chose not to go through the pardon attorney um Mm -hmm. and so most of the pardons that most of the big pardons anyway didn't go through the pardon attorney and we know that roger stone and rudy giuliani both believed that they could sell pardons uh and we know that that rudy allegedly at least didn't go through the pardon attorney to to prevent any of this from being checked something like six of the files found seized from Trump's office deal with pardons oh including the Roger Stone one that i just right. told you about the Roger so, Stone one we knew um, the other ones are fairly um, contentious pardons uh like uh, Blago- Blagojevich is on there is was found in a in a drawer um and then uh there's these border guards that were pardoned contentious pardons um and and Trump tried to claw those back by saying they were personal and the government's like they're pardon paperwork that's right. president that's clearly presidential right and so there may be something of interest in those documents as well but i think that um you know we'll see we'll see whether there's substance not just rudy or or Stone or other people um, were selling pardons because the whole process was really corrupt. I mean, I made a point after the disastrous CNN town hall that uh, she did, Caitlin, Caitlin Collins did talk pardons, but only because a Republican operative asked her whether Trump asked Trump whether he was going to pardon all the Jan 6th. Right. right. So yep. this is a
0: this is a guy
1: who he he's a lawyer for the Republicans. He should never have asked. That's a question, who the guy right? who
0: asked the question, who asked that question was. Yeah. He's
1: a sometime. Yeah. So um, and and Collins did say that he volunteered on the 20, you know, on the 2020 campaign and 2022 campaign. But she like he didn't say a who Russian, he was. I mean, no, right. he's he's basically a Republican lawyer. Right. So he gets up, says, how about pardons? And Collins doesn't raise all the other parts. Like we are not talking about how corrupt it was that Trump pardoned himself, pardoned Manafort to get Manafort to lie about what actually happened on August 2, 2016. We are not talking about the f- fact that Trump pardoned Roger Stone in response to Roger Stone saying the you know the prosecutors want to know what I said to you on these 30 calls during 2016 where we talked about, you know, uh where we talked about the Russian, you know, the Russians helping you out. And um There needs to be a lot more attention not to just the the allegation of sold pardons, but to the fact that um, the reason people believe nothing came out of the Russian investigation is because Trump pardoned his way out of trouble in the Russian investigation.
0: Right. And, you know, and you brought up the CNN town hall. And that was going to be the last thing I was going to ask you about. That was such a travesty. It was so infuriating. I, I was throwing things at the TV and I finally had to leave the room because I couldn't watch it anymore. It was so wrong on uh, every level. Um, but it seems that Donald Trump implicated himself. It seems that he admitted to at least one, if not more crimes that. Um, Will that be used against him? Do you think? or do? And I'll go back to that same question that I keep raising. Do you think he will be prosecuted for all these things that we're talking about? Or will he just float through and become the Republican nominee and perhaps get reelected to the White House?
1: Well, one of the things that came out in New York Times in the last day or so is that Fannie Willis uh, seems to have a, a, a very good timeline of when she's going to charge Donald Trump, and it's in August. So it's going to be right before the first debate. Wow! And uh, and, I, and I think that there, you know, is making moves about getting in. What's his name from Virginia is making moves mm-hmm. about getting in. So I think Republicans uh, realize that your god-awful governor has already ruined his chances. And there are people who I think are, are, are setting themselves up to swoop in if something really comes of it. I think that uh, um, steps that Jack Smith has recently taken to to, to further document what the declassification um, reality was in the Trump White House suggests he's obviously still investigating obstruction, but also investigating espionage. He is still very actively considering whether he can charge the former president with Espionage Act. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to be charged. I think um, something else that happened today right before we got on the call, which will be old news by the time you put this on t- this okay. evening, um, is that um, Shane Lamond, who was the head of intelligence for D.C. police, was arrested on obstruction charges
0: for cons- for helping Enrique Tarrio uh I was reading the, the charges right before we came on. I think you had posted it, the, the uh, USA versus Shane Lamond. And it's stunning that they've got text messages and communications between this guy Lamond, who was a member of the Metropolitan Police Department and Enrique Tarrio.
1: Yeah. Now, we knew that that showed up all the way through the Proud Boys case. But I think that's one of like I have long expected to see DOJ be able to move on certain cases after the Proud Boys verdict came in. And that's one that was fairly obvious that they were going to wait on. And so now they've indicted him. And, and we see that, um, you know, the D.C. cops were basically in bed with the fascists who attacked D.C. Yep. And, um, and and I expect that Again, because the 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 Proud Boys trial finally ended, we're going to begin to see movement in those kinds of directions.
0: I hope so, because I'll tell you something: it's 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 like history repeating itself again and again and again, and we seem to not learn our lessons. It's one thing you make everybody makes mistakes, but you got to learn from the mistakes, and we seem to not learn. Hopefully somebody is learning uh, Marcy Wheeler, find her at emptywheel.net. It should be uh, like one of your first stops every morning to read what she's um, reporting because she's doing work that nobody else is or very few others are, are, are approaching. So Marcy, thank you. I, I, I appreciate your appearances on this show more than I can express. Um, y- you do great work and I'm, I'm in awe of you.
1: Oh, Always great to be on.
0: For me too. Thank you. And with that, another week is in history books. Thank goodness this one's over. Thank you for bearing with me this week. As always, I appreciate your support. Have a great weekend, and we'll do it again next week. Hopefully a little better than we did this week. See you Monday.